Man, that's good stuff. Hey, we've been uh, in a series called Better Together, How to Win at Home. And I'm venturing today in a direction that makes me extremely uncomfortable, because um, I just don't know a lot about it. <laughs> um, but it's worth talking about. Um, where we've been is we began with uh, our foundation, and that's the Word of God, where we uh, truly understand that Christ is the rock. He is our foundation. His Word is reliable. It's authoritative. Uh, it's the means in which we understand and grow in maturity in our faith. And so we are the ones submitting to Him and conforming to His Word, uh, His uh, created uh, order of life, the reality, what He's decreed in life. So morality, ethics, all those things that we conform to and so on. We desire to understand that, you know, as we, as Christian people, we understand the fact that we are redeemable. Christ is redeeming broken things, us as individuals, putting us back together. That includes our family. Basically, that includes life, relationships, um, this community, a nation, and so on. Um, meaning he only works through Jesus Christ and the means in which to do that. That is the means in which we restore, get restored through Jesus Christ, through faith in him. And then we talked about following Jesus better, growing in our understanding of how we do that. Uh, in how God created us uniquely and individually as men and women, and we have different duties, different roles, and so on. Then that led into marriage. And so you can see already, as we've begun this process, where uh, the tension comes with our current culture and using those categories. This, uh, we talked about parenting, the journey through the circles, and uh, who's in your boardroom, uh, the people that influence you, what are those top 8 to 10 to 12 voices in your life, that impact you the most. And this morning um, is about glowing rectangles. So, yes, technology. And this is why it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> we love technology, do we not? Don't say no because you love refrigeration. You do. You love the car that you came in this morning, that you were on, you know, horse and buggy because it was rather chilly this morning to get here, don't you know? I mean, you, we love those things. We love what it does for us and, and the ease in which it allows some of those things in life. And so right up front, this is not, you know, oh, technology is bad. Um, it can be, um, but that's not the point today. Um, the point is found in Matthew chapter 9. Um, and how Jesus refers to this, Matthew chapter 9. Um, and this can be used, by the way, uh, this idea of change and leading through change because this happens in all of our lives. Why? Because your life is different if you reflect back than what it was you know, five years ago, wasn't it? Ten years ago. Uh, when you were in high school or whatever it is, wherever the season of life you're in, it is this constant change and we can lead through change. And that's the point today is how do we do that? And so my objective is to put you in a position, especially with families. And again, this is um, my concern is someone like me who's a little older, empty nester, grandkids and all that. It's just Jackie and I at home that you just kind of click off. I, you, can't, you can't click off because this affects you too. Even if you're a grandparent or great-grandparent, wherever you are in life, because of what we talked about last week, the, the influence that you have with your grandkids especially, um, critically important. Here's what Jesus said, beginning in verse 14, I'll just, uh, then the disciples of John came to him, meaning Jesus, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus said, can a 
Wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them. In other words, you know, you don't mourn when you go to a wedding, right? Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> I have to repent now. <laughs> but you don't do that. It's a joyous thing is what he's getting at. And the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away, meaning himself, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment for the patch will tear away from the garment and make the tear worse. Neither is new wine put in old wineskins. If, if it is, the skin bursts and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wine skins and both are preserved. And that is a key word today is this idea of preservation. And so what we are dealing with in our day is this idea of the new patch of technology. And what's the connection? The new patch of technology and all the things that we're dealing with is doesn't function well with old parenting techniques. It is a different season in life for those of you raising children and getting them to adulthood to do life on their own. It's different than when I raise my kids. Again, I'm having these conversations with my own kids and getting these questions. Hey, what do I don't remember this. What, what, you know, and just asking, what do we, what should we do? Is this right? And having those conversations because there's uncertainty in how to navigate some of those things. Um, and so that's the principle. Um, and just so we're clear, as clear as I can make this, methods change, right? Principles don't. Biblical principles are the universal. God's word is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow. It doesn't change. In fact, Jesus, or Malachi said that, and Jesus refers to Malachi 3, 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. The whole gist of that is, is if God would change, he would destroy Israel. The promise that he made. But I don't change, so therefore you're preserved. I made this promise to you as a people that you are redeemed, even though you're rejecting, even though you're doing all these things as the nation of Israel in Malachi's day. But because I don't change, you're not consumed. The inference is... It's a good thing for you that I don't change, right? Jesus said as much, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My grandfather grew up, his technology, um, he was born uh, uh, end of the 19th century. So his technology was, you know, still horse and buggy stuff, right? Uh, I mean, that's, so it just, it, it, it's very profound to me, his life, as I reflect on his life, to go from that to seeing somebody walking on the moon, right? I mean, in his lifetime, that took place from people talking about those things, wishing those things, and everybody thinking, you're absolutely out of your mind. That's never going to happen. And you have those experiences, too, in your own life of what things were like, and now you see things that are today, and you have that range of experience. I mean, think about that. Shortly after that, Henry Ford's making the Model T, right? And cars are showing up. In fact, my cousin has one. It was so cool before my ramp died. Gave him a ride in it. It was really kind of fun. Anyway, sorry. A little nostalgia. Today, it's quite a bit different. The content in available that um, is available today uh, wasn't when I grew up. wasn't mostly when you grew up. In fact, I read somewhere um, the technology. Look at um, well, I, I don't bring my phone up here for that very reason. That, rec that glowing rectangle, what's in your smartphone, um, I forget where I read it, but someone in NASA, whatever, that technology that you have in your hand, in your pocket, is more than what uh, it took to get those guys on the moon back in the 60s. 
That's powerful, don't you think? And what that means in the application of that as we're raising kids today. Um, you, for those of you that are maybe a, certainly my vintage adult, you remember the phone that hung on the wall? <laughs> okay, yeah, right? And then the cord you tried to switch out because the cord was like this far. And then if you're in the kitchen like mine, everybody heard the conversation. And that couldn't, there were some sensitive things sometimes, right? So you got this long cord that you could just, you know, keep going and going, wrap it around the kitchen down, the, we had it down the basement, so you could stretch that thing probably 30 feet. <laughs> and then a party line, click, hey, get off the phone, right? See, all you young people are like, what is he talking about? <laughs> Remember when you had to buy the internet by the minute? <laughs> kids are like, oh, that's like the dark ages. <laughs> and then, it, you know, you'd burn half of that up just, you know, getting online <laughs> and making all that weird, crazy noise. Now your kids, grandkids, whatever, have access to a device, not just a phone, email, gaming, movies, internet. The access um, you have today is astounding. Um, all the information that you have at the tips of your fingers can be helpful, but also can be destructive. And here's the deal. Even that needs to be brought under the lordship of Christ. And that's the objective. There was a time, I don't know if easier, that's not the right word, but there was a time that was different when you could ward off or protect your kids from the craziness of the exposure of what's taking place in the world today. There was a time when if you wanted something explicit, you had to go to the counter at the store and ask for it by name. One of the magazines that was on the top row, remember those that were all covered up? Mm -hmm. Or if you go to the video store and the room in the back room that said 18 or older and there was a video camera there making sure that would take place. You, you had to go in, in person and ask for, which had the stigma to it, if you will. Now it's just right in the palm of your hand. And today, and so much are just directly in the hands of your phone, my phone, your kids' phones. And so the innocence of being a kid and growing up, to regulate the time that they're involved in those things, or your time, um, the transition we talked about last week, the the from getting to be a consultant, from being controlling to consultant becomes quite a bit more difficult. It's like children are being coerced to drink from a fire hose of the society-driven forms of godless virtue. Jesus is using this example of old wine and new wineskins, this connection he's making, the technology that they had, um, and so the principles is you, you don't pour new wineskin into old bags and vice versa. I mean, can you imagine what your coffee would have tasted like this morning if, if we still were in wineskins? I mean, we don't have that technology anymore, you know, not to mention it would just take up the, consume the whole coffee, you know, cove in there with all these wineskins hanging and they just keep putting coffee in them and you bring this big bag in, you know, you're, you, you just think that's silly. We don't do that anymore. But God has given these principles, and they are to stay focused on the kingdom. Again, the methods change, 
but the principles don't change when it comes to dealing with technology. How do you do this? What is the principle? Here's the principle. Here's Jesus' principle with that passage. It's the methods are going away. The Old Testament is going away. This is the specific big picture that he's talking about in this reference with Matthew. Hey, guess what? I'm here to fulfill the law. He's telling, this is going to go away, which made them extremely uneasy. Change is going to happen. That's what he's referring to, and he's referring to himself in this patch as a Matthew. But the issue is how you handle it. And so we take this principle, understanding that change is happening. It's always going to happen. Jesus is referring to himself in this passage, that I'm fulfilling the Old Testament law, so there will be no more sacrifices. You don't have to come to this single place. I'm going to dwell in you. The Holy Spirit's going to be given to you. Everything that we know as the New Testament, everything that we know as the gospel is happening here. In this one passage that he just goes so quickly through to see the ramifications of. And this has this principle in our own life and other places. How is the question. How do you handle the issue of all this change specifically when it comes to technology? Here's Proverbs 4. Specifically verse 23. But I'll give you the whole thing because there's wisdom in this. Back up in verse 20. Proverbs 4 verse 20. My son, count this is the counseling part we talked about. Not the control part last week, but the counseling part. Be attentive to my words. Hey, pay attention. I have some wisdom I need to share with you. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing to their flesh. Keep, or your version may say guard, your heart with all vigilance. For from it the flow of springs of life. Put away uh, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. Your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Don't turn your foot away from evil. The paramount piece to this, the, 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 the first principle here is when we navigate change, when we go through this, is you and I have to guard our heart. You, there has to be sentries at the door of what's allowed in to our heart. It's this first above all kind of idea, guard your heart. And as adults, as parents, grandparents, we have to commit to guarding our hearts, our own heart first, our hearts of our kids. I've heard this for years from parents, the impact of social media, that the impact it has on their kids. And there is plenty of stuff out there for you to be concerned about, the addictive nature it can cause in one's life. In fact, early on in student ministry, um, there was this wonderful young lady, uh, <laughs> my goodness, I won't say her name, not that she's watching or listening, but it, it, word gets around, right? <laughs> so we're in doing our youth stuff, and there's probably 20 to 30 kids and we're just, we're, I don't know, it's just a really good night discussion and everything's happening. And there is a strong community and we're talking and sharing and everybody's just involved. And she's sitting there, her phone is on her thigh and she's doing this, no lie. She's, it's sitting there and she's doing this and puts it down and doing this and puts it down over and over. And there was a rhythm to it. And it was interesting to watch as, as, you know, leading this, what happening that night, because the kids started to see it. And what was fascinating is they're just so involved in one another, sharing and talking and carrying on. It made everybody stop. 
I'll call, I don't even, I want to, I don't even know, I want to give her a name. And, and they called her out. So I'm like, hey, what are you doing? You are so concerned about what this is that you're missing everything around you. We're right here. In fact, there's, hey, everybody that you care about is, is sitting in the room with you. So what's your deal? <laughs> I mean, they went after in a good way. They weren't hurtful. But she was so wrapped up in someone needs me or whatever it was that I'm, I, I have to keep doing this. And it, literally, it was like every five to ten seconds. No lie. It was the craziest thing. That's the power of what's going on here. Let me give you some concepts or some, I always hesitate to use studies about technology, but here's some of the studies um, recently. Uh, 66% increase uh, in depression with young people because of technology, and specifically smartphones and whatnot. Girls between 8th and 12th grade since the introduction of a smartphone, there's a 65% increase in suicide rates. The more you are on Instagram, the more you will struggle with anxiety. And you can look all this stuff up on your own, and I encourage you to do so. Kids who take their phone to bed and sleep with it, or look at it, whatever, sleep an hour less, which will rob their brain restorative processes to decompress and do all that stuff to be healthy which leads to struggling as far as learning and that kind of goes. And you add that to, you know, uh, you know, I've talked to many of you, especially those that you own companies, like it's so hard to get people to, to stay, right? You're seeing that. Now, whether there's a correlation or not, I don't know. There's a whole lot of things. It's not just this. So please remember, I like technology, <laughs> right? But there is a problem, and this is part of it. It makes them harder to relate to others if they're so consumed with, with what's going on in, in, in somewhere else other than where they are. And when you try to parent, it just puts more tension in the relationship at home. It's interesting to me when you research the people that developed all the technology that are now bazillionaires. Guess where they send their kids to school? Classical educational places without technology. They stuff use books, paper and pencil and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, they use a little technology, but, but not like what's in a public school arena, those kind of places. Five years ago, just five years ago, 62% of teens saw a nude image on their phone. 40% of them sent one. The issue is when it comes to the technology... There's something against you as, you know, against us in, in the technology. And there's an algorithm that you get sucked into. And the algorithm that's working behind the scenes notices how long you hover on things, what you click on, and all that stuff. And, you know, you like certain things, and it'll say, oh, they like, they like this. And so that just populates your feeds even more and more. You like to look at crazy news feeds and all the conspiracy stuff? Well, it'll just give you more. Your daughter's having a rough day at school, maybe. Maybe she doesn't feel as confident or as pretty as she normally does about herself. So she opens a video and someone else who is struggling maybe with body image starts sharing why and, and all those things that she gets drawn into. And she makes this connection. No longer she's on there. The algorithm is doing its work and say, oh, she's struggling with body image. Let's give her more. 
but as beautiful as your daughter is, inside and out, she sees videos of these girls who she thinks are far more beautiful than she is. And if they're struggling, then I should have a problem with me. It works for guys the same way. When your son is growing and dealing with the hormones, they find apparently there's a lot of amazingly beautiful pictures of women on the Internet. And so the algorithm says, hey, you like to look at those? Here's some more. And it becomes an addiction. In fact, pornography is a billion-dollar industry in this nation alone. Something that rewires his mind to objectify women and someday when he wants to have a wife and do the right thing and have a family, but instead he's serving them instead of sacrificing as a man, instead of providing that way, all he is consumed with about what they can do for him. And it happens all the time. And it happens to parents of kids just like yours and mine. So what do you do? What tack do you take as you navigate this change in technology? Well, here's some thoughts. Ephesians chapter 5 says this. Look carefully how then you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. You can use the same wording that Proverbs, you guard, if you like. Guard carefully how you walk. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand the will, what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Just a quick note, technology of, we know probably more and, are, and, and can talk more about alcoholism and all those things and what it does to us more so than what can we do with technology, but it has, I think, a greater effect. Our objective here is to be careful. Not to maybe discount it, but be wise about it. Making the most of every opportunity to run into those arenas when your kids struggle in some of those areas. To run into the fray with your kids and not run away from. Not just throw your hands up, but run to it. Why? Because the days are evil. So there's at least three things that you can do. And here's, there's probably more, but here's three. You can reject technology, you can receive technology, or you can redeem technology. Some of you just want to shut it down, right? All the kids are now in, they're like freaking out because maybe after this, they're like, well, what's mom and dad going to do with all the technology? I'll get to that in a minute. (laughs) You can reject it, but again, there's always variations of it because we like technology. You love the fact that when you got up this morning, you turned the water on and it came on. You didn't have to walk somewhere. You didn't have to go outside and, and you know, when I've gone to Mexico, you sometimes, some places in the villages, you've got to walk out. There's an actual well. And, and everything takes longer, right? There's this sustenance of life. We have to do these things. We have to go get water. It, and it doesn't mean go to the kitchen and turn the spigot on. We love what technology can do for us. And it is good and honorable to do those things, to, to use what God has given and restructure. I mean, those are amazingly God-given gifts that we can do. Maybe it's, well, my kids aren't old enough yet. That's not, not the deal. We'll discuss it later. You know, what's interesting to me as parents, <clears throat> again, in student ministry, when we'd go somewhere, retreat or whatever, there was like this no technology zone. So there are true retreats 
or camp or whatever, leave your phone at home. You, you don't need it. And there would be literally people that would consider not going, students, seriously, that would not go because they could not have their phone with them on their person. You're so mean. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> but we're going to have fun. <laughs> it's going to be a good weekend. You should go. It was profound to me growing up through this. I mean, I'm, I'm not a native. My grandkids and your grandkids are now natives to technology, right? They live it and breathe it. They're not scared. Your grandkid, my grandson bought a 500, I think it was $500, wasn't it? He just went online at my daughter's web thing or, you know, Amazon, whatever. And he's just doing this and doing swiping and doing, and all of a sudden there's a bill. <laughs> They're not afraid of it at all. They're not intimidated by it at all. They just start pushing stuff. They don't know. They don't, it's just fun. This is what you do. You can say no as a parent, by the way. I had that conversation as well, and it was interesting to me because it just creates all this tension in the house, and the parents were like, I'm trying to avoid this. Well, but you're the parent. You could, um, I, again, I don't stay, I try to, I really don't try to stay up on much technology, but this week I did. I didn't realize there was a light phone. Did you know that? I did not. Some of you tech people are like, that is so old. What is wrong with you? <laughs> it's just, and I love the description. It, it, the light phone is a premium, minimal phone, is what the, the sales description said. It will never have social media, clickbait news, email, online browsers, and here was the catchphrase for me, or any other anxiety-inducing infinite feeds. <laughs> they, they even recognize it in their advertisement, what it's doing. That's amazing to me. I'm like, I want to get a light phone. I, I just want to call and text. I mean, that's all I do. And my text is, if you've texted me, if I would tell students this too. If you're asking for a conversation, if it's more than one sentence, it's a phone call. You call and I will describe things. But I'm not going to sit here and do this and give you this long text. Not going to do it. So I started just using the word K or the letter K. Because in Mexico, that was kind of the thing. I picked it up years and years ago in Mexico. They would just say K. It's spelled differently, obviously. But uh, it meant, okay, good. You know, I got it. And so that's what I would do. And then they would never, sh are, you, are you mad? <laughs> are, is there something wrong? I'm like, no. If you want to know how I'm feeling, it's a phone call. <laughs> it's not a text. Let's go out for a Coke. Man, it kind of scared them to death to do that. Any other anxiety-inducing infinite feeds? Listen, some of your kids, grandkids, they are wrestling with anxiety, depression, self-harm, low self-esteem, the explicit content that comes to them, suicidal thoughts. That's the culture in which, ask your, ask your high school kids, if you have, or grandkids, ask them. Notice in verse 18, don't get drunk with wine. Most of us, again, understand and have the knowledge of what alcohol does to us, and we can talk about that. But most of us don't have any understanding about what this idea of what that phone can do and the effects of social media can have on your kids. And again, now all the kids are like totally freaking out because mom and dad are going to like take it all away. <laughs> no. Listen to me, all you young people. We are here for you, okay? Your parents are here for you. You got to know that. You have to understand that 
for you, life is meant to be lived in real time, in real places, with real people, and not just inside a phone or any other device. There is a life that God has given you to live, to interact with other people and so on. Not just those experiences, I will say pretend experiences, if you will, but real experiences. And they're so much better for you than what you can find on any device or in the meta. They can, they can be. Parents, in part, you are responsible for where they are. I am responsible for where my kids are when it comes to technology. And you and I have to help our kids and love them through that because truly, if you try to withdraw that, you will see what happens if you don't start early enough. It can be addictive, and it has an addictive form, just like that young lady doing this. It was the strangest thing that day. So we let them get there, and we have to help them out. So you can reject it, but that's probably not a good option. You can receive it. You can receive the technology. I mean, I, I have a Facebook page and I have an Instagram page. I haven't been on them, though, in like, I don't know. Facebook, I think it was 2004. It was probably 2005 when I kind of stopped doing stuff. <laughs> and I don't even remember how to get on because I don't know my passwords. So I live vicariously through my wife's, you know, Facebook page. And so when I mean receive it, it's like, hey, look what the kids are doing. Look what the grandkids are. This is where they went. This is where some of you, and, and all that stuff happens, right? And you, hey, we're at the beach. We're here. We're doing these things and, and all that stuff. When I kind of drifted off of that is when, when you see pictures of, hey, this is what I had for breakfast. Okay, I'm going to be, I don't mean to be cruel. I don't care. <laughs> You're sending me a picture about what you had for breakfast? or what? So what? <laughs> Why is it so important? But we love to see pictures of what our, our lives are doing, right? Especially if we had kids and grandkids. I love FaceTiming because it takes me 12 hours now to go visit my kids, and I miss them, and I can't see them. I can't be in their circle like I want to be with my grandkids because my son and daughter live so far away. I want to go to things. I want to be with them. I just want to hang out with them. I want them to know me. I mean, literally, when my grandson, I'm going to cry. My grandson was born, my son's son. I was so proud. <laughs> And I sat there in the waiting room holding this tiny little thing, weeping, because I knew the life that my son was going in in the military. And I knew what that meant. And I'm looking at him thinking, I'm not going to see you very much. I'm not going to get to be with you like as much as I want because of what your dad is doing, which is a good thing. I'm not discounting what he's doing and serving is a, is a wonderful thing. I get that. But it was just me as a grandpa now and seeing my son's son and being so proud to know I'm not going to know you as well as what I'd like to know you. And it's not like my son and daughter not want me to live right next door either. <laughs> right? So I love those opportunities to go on Facebook and look and watch and do those things. And you can you do this with YouTube all the time. I don't know what to do. So you look this up and here's how to fix it, right? Here's how to do these things. It's, it's, it's good things. Most of those people who think, you know, I haven't been on Facebook, they probably, you know, I got kidnapped or something because it's been, you know, at least 10 years. <laughs> you can redeem it. You can inject your life and what God is doing in you in those spaces. To at least, you know, 
share the gospel or at least give a perspective on here's what God is doing in my life. I'll disagree. So you can, you can insert yourself in those arenas or create your own pocket. It's amazing what you can do now. But one of those aspects of technology is that it consumes your time. And Scripture says we are to redeem the time. How it does that or how it affects is it, it's like this time trap. So if you've gone on YouTube before, really, and you click on something, oh, isn't that cool? And then you look up and it's like it's an hour later, right? Have you done that? That you just kind of, you're doing this and doing this and you're just involved in this searchy thing and it takes you here, takes you there. And all of a sudden, it, you know, it's gone. And you're watching, you know, all this, I don't know, you're watching cats now or something doing something, right? And that's not where you started, but this is where you're ending up. You want to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord? Time is the key. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You need time with your kids. Listen, I'm going to, I have this on the slide. I don't, want, I, I don't know where this came from. Um, don't know who made it up, but I thought it was very helpful. Time over time equals history. These are action steps that you can take. You, you, you can't cut short memories. You can't cut short any of that stuff. You can't, uh, there's no substitute for time with the people that you love, your family, all of those things. So time over time equals history that you have. Time over love equals worth. And this is probably the most powerful, and I believe it's done in small things rather than grand things, like, you know, big grandiose events in your life those are important but this notion of loving and time comes with the worth that you give someone how much you're willing to invest in them how much you're willing to give them in little pieces on a consistent basis Jackie gave me this little thing I probably shared this before but it's on my desk and it's been on my desk for as long as I I don't even remember it when she gave it to me but it's been there for as long as I can remember now. I guess that just means I'm old. <laughs> it says this, if I cannot do great things, I'll do small things in a great way. And I love her for that because that pretty much sums her life up to me. That's who she is. And I so appreciate that. You've maybe heard the saying, oh, it's quality time, not the quantity time. Let me tell you something. That is a flat-out lie, straight up. There is no substitute It's both. It's my dad coming home from work or on the weekends and hitting fly balls for, for me for hours and hours, trying to hit it. I mean, we had an acre of property, and it was elongated, and there was a farm you know, field behind it. And so it was always hard when it was corn because he would try to always hit it over my head. I'm you know, trying to run through the corn. <laughs> and it kind of, you know, corn hurts, you know, it kind of gets scratched up. Beans were a whole lot easier. <laughs> But he'd try, and I'd run him down. Or when I played football, I didn't really play football, I kicked. <laughs> run on, run off, get off, because it hurts. <laughs> and he'd be out there hours, and I would kick balls to him hour after hour after hour. Or it's my oldest grandson now who likes technology. He goes, Grandpa, did you bring your glove? He just wants to play catch. Word over time equals direction, giving those words, giving that instruction, 
giving the wisdom that you've gleaned in your life, you know, to, to, to try to get your young person, your, your grandkids or your kids to understand. It's like, look, here's the things I did, and, and to be straight up with them, and we, we try to do that, don't do this, we kind of focus on that, and then that kind of makes them curious to where they kind of want to go around that pothole of their life and go, well, you did that, and maybe I could maybe kind of circle that little pothole in your life to see what happens to me, right? My kids did that. You're like, no, bad, don't do what I did. And like, oh, really? Oh, okay, maybe. So you give wisdom and words to give them direction in their life. Stories over time give them perspective. It gives them the big, big picture in life. Look at, if you, you remember when you got stuck in that junior high, especially when your body's changed and everything is weird and like, ah, right? And your parents are trying to help you figure that out because they have perspective, right? They went through it. They didn't put up with, you know, the, all the feelings that you may have had, but said, you may feel this way, but this is going to happen. They didn't abdicate to your feelings. Oh, well, it's okay. You can feel that way. And then validate those feelings when they're wrong. They didn't do that. The stories of their life, my, again, my grandkids. Grandpa, tell us a story about when you grew up. They just want a perspective to see the big picture, to see what changed in my life, the things I went through. I love that. I love questions, and I love it when they ask questions. Circles over time, that's what we talked about a week ago, means belonging, means family. Who's inside your boardroom, the circles, the influencers that you have in your life, your family, the community, being accepted, in other words. It's they're accepted. This is the community that I belong to. I'm loved here. I'm encouraged here. I'm not looking somewhere else or something on a, on a screen that makes me identify with them or, or I get sucked into that world of, of people that, you know, the 5,000 friends I have on Facebook when there is this family right in front of you. That's what circles are for. Fun over time equals connections because who does not like to have fun, Right? Wow, nobody? <laughs> Life is meant to be enjoyable, isn't it? I mean, to find something that you can enjoy doing. It's meant to be fun. God made it to be joyful. Yes, it's hard. I get all that stuff. But there are these moments where you just enjoy doing what you enjoy doing, the way you've been created, the way you've been gifted. I would tell students, we're here to have fun, make friends, and make a difference with the gospel. That's it. Have, enjoy life. Figure, just, just have fun. Be in the moment with what we're doing. You know, going on a hayride here with all the high school, junior high students uh, at the end of the month. You know, bring your family. It's okay. I know you got siblings and they bother you, but it's okay. They're family. Bring them anyway. You can, you know, stuff them full of straw. They're easier to get to. I mean, that's what happened to me. Yeah, poor baby. Babies of the family just have it so bad, man. <laughs> here's uh, something else. Look at, here's how important this is. From graduation, or from kindergarten to graduation, you have 4,745 days with your son or daughter. That's 113 or 100,000, 113,000 800 hours of that time that you have with them, 
they're going to sleep, which is good. God made sleep, especially if you have little ones, <laughs> right? If they rest for eight hours, not if you have little ones. Don't worry, it'll come. When they get in high school, you'll have a hard time getting them up on the weekends. It's okay. If they sleep eight hours, one-third of that time is just gone like that. If you're working, which God also created, which is a good thing for you to provide for your family, you're going to spend 3,250 days, 2,600 hours, roughly, if you work eight hours. Divide that by 24, you'll spend 1,083 days just working. What's left after you work and after you sleep? 2,081 days. Listen, the average person today spends five hours a day on their phone. Those same 13 years, you'll spend 980 days, 88 days on a phone. That's roughly the half remaining time you have with your kids. See, if you want your kids off their phones, you better get off yours. See what I did there, kids? <laughs> Not just picking on the young people, because it affects us as adults just as much. Because those stats are for adults, not kids. If your kids come to church here, if they have perfect attendance Sunday morning, all the ministry we do Wednesday nights, we'd see them here six and a half days in a 24-hour period. If from kindergarten to 12th grade, that's eight, eight to 84, almost 85 days that we would have them here, that they would be involved here. Who has more influence? I mean, we have a great staff, wonderful volunteers. Many of you volunteer and do, but we're not that good by comparison to what and where they are. Why do you think we push camp so much or VBS or statewide that's coming up? Because it multiplies their spiritual development. That's why. It's not like we need to do these things for us. That's not the point. The point is we want them to be there because this is a multiplying factor in their spiritual development. See, the best that we do as a ministry is come alongside you as parents. You are the primary. We're not doing it for us. It's work, truly. It's joyous work. It really is. You should try it sometime. Kids here are wonderful. I love it. All the mission trips I've been, some 20 to Mexico, one to Ukraine, one to England, all the camps, retreats. If I wanted it to be about me, I wouldn't have taken them with me. <laughs> I would have just taken my wife and my kids, right? But it is a joy to do so. Our people here are doing wonderful ministry to the best of their ability. The students, the kids are amazing. But we're just, we just can't compete with the time frame that you have as a parent and or what you're allowing into their lives through technology. They are spending 11 more times on their phones, in other words. So who do you think is doing the discipling? Let me close with this. 1 Corinthians 10. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbors. Listen, you have the right to do whatever you want to do with technology, right? And in all these principles, all things are lawful for me, Paul says. I'm not bound by anything, but they're not helpful. 
I'm not going to do certain things anymore because they're just not helpful. They don't build up anything. They just draw things away from my life. They don't, they don't magnify Christ in my life. They don't magnify my family in life anymore. They're either magnifying, growing, maturing, strengthening, or they're going the other way. And they may be just lawful things to do. Good things to do even. So you have the right to do whatever you want, but ask the question, is it helpful? And is it building up my family? So let me give you a couple challenges. Here's one. There's some resources on the website. If you go to the website, look on the resources pages, there's some really cool web, uh, resources that we put there, hopefully, um, about technology um, that you can look at as parents. That'll be helpful to you, I hope. And I'd like your feedback if it's not, or hey, what about this, or what about that? That's one thing. Here's the second challenge for this week. The challenge is pick two days of your choosing and take two hours to shut it all off. Everything. Some of you are like, <gasps> wow. <laughs> Panic attack, my goodness. Two days, pick, pick any day with your family and just turn it all off for two hours and see what happens. That's the challenge. Navigating through the change that we have, navigating and in, in where we are as a culture is critically important to you as a family, us as a church, grandparents, parents, no parents yet, to navigate and, and, and have the conversation. And that's my objective here today. As you recognize the impact it's having, you see it. But we can do some things about it, and we can redeem it. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you give us the wisdom to do that. That we would take up a challenge, the prayer cards, the thank you notes, and maybe just to turn some of the devices off and go for a walk. Maybe to play catch or just play a board game. The simple things in life that we seem to forget that we get so wrapped up in otherwise with all the stuff that goes on in the world, the things we expose our minds to. Father, you've told us that the eye is the, to the light to the body and we are here to guard our heart and our minds to take every thought captive. So Father, I pray that you give us the wisdom to navigate this life that we live and the things that we expose ourselves to, that they will glory and honor Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.